This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. On Friday, Premier-designate Doug Ford announced his cabinet's first act will be to cancel Ontario's current cap-and-trade scheme and challenge the federal government's authority to impose a carbon tax on the people of Ontario. Ford said Ontario would be serving notice of its withdrawal from the joint agreement linking Ontario, Quebec and California's cap-and-trade markets, as well as the pro-carbon tax Western Climate Initiative. But what does this actually mean? The federal government has said it will collect a carbon tax itself if the provinces refuse. So presumably that would take effect while this uh, court challenge is ongoing. And will it cost money and what will it cost to cancel those cap and trade agreements? Do you think it was a good idea to say we're going ahead with this before we know how much it might cost. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now we go to climate and energy lawyer Lisa DeMarco Allen and program director for the Toronto-based advocacy group Environmental Defense, Keith Brooks. Hi, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Libby. Okay, we're all here. Uh, Lisa, you believe that cancelling the cap-and-trade agreements would cost a lot of money uh, in legal claims? Not just in legal claims. I think right now, in this time of uncertainty, business is out of pocket by about $2.8 billion. And uh, we're waiting to see what steps uh, Premier-designate Ford will take to ensure that... uh, Business is not compromised, and consumers. Why is business out of pocket? Could just explain, like, um, uh, just fill us in, please. The cap and trade system required business to purchase permits to emit called allowances, Mm -hmm. and they did so, and it cost them about two point eight billion dollars. And then on Friday, those permits became effectively worthless. But how long? How long do they cover? They cover a four-year period, and to date, they've been selling some beyond that four-year period and some for the period up to 2018. So about $2.8 billion in permits out there that have been sold already, and we have to figure out how they'll be refunded, if it all can be refunded, because some of that money's been spent, and uh, how to go forward. Well, uh... Okay, 2018, we're in 2018, so presumably until uh, the, the agreements are nullified, which, you know, they, they, they would have been, uh, how are they out of pocket if it covers the current period? They've already purchased them. They've already spent the money and bought them at auctions that happen quarterly. Right, but if, if they go for the current period, why would they be out of pocket? It's still in effect. 
Well, currently they're worthless. They can't transact them. They can't trade them between uh, between uh, parties in California mm-hmm. and Quebec. And he's indicated that he's going to cancel the program. So they have no value unless he's going to say, we'll create some future program where you can use them and you'll need to use them. Okay, but the, if they expire in 2018 anyway... Oh, they don't expire in 2018. They were purchased out to 2018. They're right. still valid, uh, and they, there's the ability to bank them. So they're even valid for a future period. So okay. their value doesn't expire. And uh, is there a possibility of lawsuits, in your opinion? Absolutely. I think, uh, in particular, from American counterparts who are not keen on government interference in markets, and even a possibility of NAFTA claims for disproportionately impacted American companies. Okay, let's bring Keith Brooks into the conversation. Hi, Keith. Hi there. So uh, what do you make of uh, what Lisa has been telling us? Uh, Well, I I agree, yeah, with what Lisa's saying. I think that there could be big legal challenges coming from, you know, California uh, and the Air Resources Board down there, or or Quebec could, could bring a challenge. Companies that are involved in the system down there could bring a challenge, but definitely the Ontario companies that bought permits are are likely, yeah, they're, they're going to need to be compensated. Uh, and, I mean, let me just, so the way that it works is that the government issues a number of permits, uh, it, and they have a cap, a limit on pollution in Ontario, and then they issue a number of permits for every ton of, of pollution allowed underneath that cap. And so if you're a polluter, you have to buy these permits. That's That's how they ended up spending almost $3 billion on permits. And they, they auction these permits four times a year. And then at the end of what's called a compliance period, in this case it would be four years, the companies that polluted have to surrender the permits to say, see, I bought all the permits I needed for all the pollution that I emitted. But now that that system is being struck down, people bought the permits, but they don't need to surrender them. They don't need to give them in because there's no cap-and-trade system in place anymore. So that's how they've become totally worthless. So I think... Yeah, the government's going to have to find that $3 billion. Uh, it all goes into a, a special account called the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Account. Uh, we don't know how much has been spent from that account, but I think that it's probably safe to say that at least two, two of the $3 billion the government has brought in has been spent. So we're, that's a $2 billion hole now in Ontario's books. And then not only that, but we're paying on the other side, too, because the money coming in from cap-and-trade was going into the greenhouse gas reduction account, and it could only be spent on other efforts to fight pollution. So it could only go to companies to help them invest in energy-efficient technology. It could or go people to who, hospitals, who are buying Teslas. Pardon me? Or people who are buying Teslas. Well, it could go to that, yeah, uh, although the government changed the, the rules around uh, who, which, which electric cars could get the incentives. But, yeah, it went to companies. It was, there was money for retrofitting social housing, money for colleges and, and universities and hospitals, all of them to reduce their energy use, to cut their emissions, and a whole bunch of programs for individuals to help them buy electric cars or install chargers at their homes, to help them put insulation in their homes, energy-efficient windows, all kinds of programs. Um, and people were liking these programs. They were, had just been kind of rolled out. Uh, but they're all, I think we should assume those things are all gone now, too. Well, um, if, uh, if the programs, uh, you know, a lot of them were rolled out very recently, so why are you assuming that 2 or $3 billion was already spent? Well, it's been allocated to, to so the electric vehicle incentive has been out there for a long time. Uh, that's hundreds of millions of dollars. I think that people would have been uh, collecting on that one. Um, 
the insulation incentive, I think that people have, a lot of people have, have taken that up, but also the industrial ones. They, they've signed agreements with folks at the Ontario Centers for Excellence to deliver uh, industrial efficiency programs, and they've transferred the money to those organizations to say to have them run the programs. And they've transferred uh, millions of, hundreds of millions of dollars to the Green Ontario organization, uh, Green Ontario uh, uh, fund, which is uh, an agency of the province, and they've transferred money to all kinds of organizations, and I don't think that they can just recall those funds. But Libby, you make a really good point here in that you can take issue with how the money's been spent or how a government would want to spend the money, but what you won't, don't want to do is have your businesses who have spent the money be out of pocket and have their customers be harmed. Mm-hmm. So this is the problem with how the process is working so far and the absence of any knowledge of how the transition is going to work, how you're going to get that money back into the pockets of those that have spent it, and how you're going to ensure that their customers aren't harmed is a, is a definite challenge right now. I think we need some certainty, and we don't want to exacerbate the situation by having further lawsuits that actually increase how much we're in the hole. Okay, but for the, for the businesses, if they had to, I mean, I, I get that these permits may be use, yeah, worthless, but it was something that they needed. If they no longer need it, uh, I, I'm not getting, I mean, you know, they perhaps didn't have to spend that money, but it, it's not really uh, costing them any extra. It is, actually. They spent the money. Right. They got the permit, right. so they now have a permit in their pocket. It's like you buying stocks. Yep. You buy stocks at $100 a share, it's in your pocket, and then all of a sudden the company goes bankrupt, it's worth nothing, you're out of pocket, $100 a share. It's the same thing. Right, but even if, if the... Uh, so these are indefinite? I mean, if they cover a certain period and the period is over... It's not over. That's the problem. The period finishes in 2021, number one. And number two, they have value beyond the period. You can bank them for the next period. So some traders, for example, were participating in the market on the understanding that they're going to get more scarce and the value would go up. Okay, well, that's uh, speculation. That was speculation, but real live emitters, the vast majority of traders were emitters who had to purchase, they did purchase, and now they're out of pocket until we know what's going to happen and how they get that money refunded. Okay. Uh, turning now to the aspect of the federal government. So uh, the government, our government, uh, the new government, wants to launch a challenge against the federal government. But the federal government has said that for any province that doesn't have its own system, it will charge. And uh, for instance, so they say that the cost the federal government will charge will reflect $10 per ton carbon price. So it's approximately 2.3 cents on a liter of gasoline, 2.7 cents on a liter of diesel or a, a cent and a half on a liter of propane. And they say also say, which I think might look attractive, that they're looking uh, out, they're trying to figure out what to do with the money, but they might send it directly back to uh, consumers and businesses. Anyone? Yeah, I mean, the federal government uh, has said they're going to bring in a carbon price for any province that doesn't have one. So I think the irony of this is, is that 
Premier-elect uh, Ford is out there saying he's going to cancel the carbon tax. Ontario does not have a carbon tax, but Ontario will have a carbon tax thanks to Premier-elect Doug Ford because we had cap-and-trade system. He's going to cut that down. The federal government's going to bring a carbon tax in. So the irony is saying he's killing the carbon tax. He's actually bringing a carbon tax in. And well, the other part about this is important. So it, start, it starts at $10 a ton, although it was supposed to start at $10 a ton in 2018. Uh, they got delayed on that, so it's going to start 2019 at $20 a ton, and then it goes up by $10 a year out to uh, 2022. So it goes up to $50 a ton. That's actually more than we're paying uh, for carbon pricing under cap and trade. It's $18 a ton right now, and it would rise to maybe $25 by 2022. So uh, we're actually going to be paying more. It's, it's going to increase the price of gasoline. It's going to increase the price of home heating and all that kind of stuff. From an environmental perspective, that's fine with me. That's the way the carbon pricing is supposed to work. Raise the price of things that pollute, and that encourages people to, to do those things less. That's how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to change your behavior. But it's just the, the irony of, you know, if we're going we're gonna to cut prices, or we're going to get rid of the carbon tax, the exact opposite is what's going to happen. Well, uh, it depends on whether they win the court challenge or not. But uh, also looking at this, assuming that the federal government does what they're proposing in, in what I read, and they give the money directly back to people and businesses, is that not a good thing, Lisa? Certainly how they spend the money is, uh, is very valid. I think you're, you're on to something in terms of how you spend money, Libby. I think that's, that's really wise. But the issue around the court challenge is we're spending more money to challenge constitutionally something where we've had some experts, particularly in Manitoba, they've had a number of constitutional lawyers say they can validly impose a tax as long as it doesn't unduly encroach upon an area of provincial jurisdiction. So I think we're spending a lot to cancel a program when some tweaks could have achieved the same ends that Premier-designate Ford uh, would want. So hopefully, instead of drastic moves, we'll have um, some moves that make sense for Ontario customers, for Ontario businesses, and for entities that don't want to, out of nowhere, have to transition and get slapped with a much higher carbon price than they otherwise would have under the Ontario program. Okay, let's uh, take a call from Jim in Hanover. Hi, Jim. Hi. Uh, well, first of all, I don't think Trump believes in global warming, does he? Uh, who, who are you talking about, Trump? Uh, I'm not, yeah. Uh, well, we're not talking about Trump. We're talking about Ontario. Yeah, I know, but we're dealing with states, right? Uh, yeah, California. but there's California. Yeah, they don't really uh, on on this particular subject. Uh, they do not follow Trump. No, oh, that's nice. Uh, anyway, my second point is it's like me taking a million dollars from your account and uh, putting it in the bank, and then after a year I say I'm going to give you your million dollars back, but I keep the interest on it that I had for a, a year, and that's the way I see this whole system working. We're going to take your money, we're going to invest it, make money, and then give you your money back, but we're keeping what we made. In interest. So who's the we keeping? The people. Uh-huh. We, the people. You take it from us, keep it for a year, you make interest on it, and then you give it back to us and we think everything's okie-dokie, but you kept the interest. Okay, so what, do you think it's good for them to cancel the cap-and-trade or not definitely, so good? Definitely, so I mean, you're going to ruin every, everything in the world. You're going to put price everything out of range. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be able to afford all this bits and pieces that want to tax this and tax that. And this is just a baloney thing 
that they haven't proven yet. What's a baloney thing? Uh, this global warming. Oh, well, a lot of people, even Doug Ford says he believes in it. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is, it is proven. The science of yeah. global warming or climate change, or whatever you want to call it, is, is, is absolutely uh, positively certain. Okay, and what do they I blame it on? Vehicles, engines, burning? Well, it's the combustion of fossil fuels primarily. It's some other uh, gases as well, but most of it comes from burning co- uh, coal, Gasoline and and uh, natural gas. Okay, I don't think oh. we I have to. I, I, sorry, I don't think we have to debate uh, climate change here. We're we're, I think we're a little beyond that, Jim. Uh, That's good to hear. Thanks for your call. But let's make sure we're clear about yeah. Jim's point. The yeah. situation we're in is actually currently is worse than what Jim says. It's like you've taken a hundred dollars of the people's money and you're not returning it with interest. You're keeping it. That's well, where we're at right now. Well, I, I so think the people part of, are out of out of out of pocket a hundred dollars a ton. So that's that's where we're at. Well, I I think the the issue is that we don't really know where we're at. Let's take a call from Dennis in Brampton. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, first of all, I I'll tell you that I, I did not vote for Doug Ford. But that being said, uh, I am willing to uh, give him the opportunity to govern. I like what he did around the. Um, the uh, U.S. tariffs. However, on this particular issue, uh, it seems to me that this is a matter of political expediency. And the long and the short of it is that, given what your guests have talked about today, uh, this is going to make the gas plant cancellation, which was a political decision, pale in uh, in comparison. So I'm I'm really hoping that Sander heads prevail within the cabinet, and they revisit this issue. Uh, and if he is committed and believes in climate change, that they will uh, come up with something better than an outright cancellation. Um, okay, Dennis, thanks for your call. You're welcome. Uh, here's my question, uh, and I think it goes more property to Lisa. Have you uh, read the agreement, and are there actual cancellation provisions in it that you know about? There's a version of the agreement posted online publicly that everybody can read. Uh, there are provisions for withdrawal. It, it allows or requ- it uh, asks them to endeavor to do that at the end of the four-year compliance period at 2021 and to endeavor to do that uh, with one-year notice. Mm-hmm. There are also some other provisions in that agreement for recognizing that each jurisdiction is sovereign but there are also a number of other agreements that have been made between parties that are quite important. And there are trade, cross-border trade impacts that are important. And there are interactions and transactions between people that are important. So it's not simply uh, the agreement that's on the publicly posted website that uh, you have to consider when you consider the potential cost. So there's there's no laid out penalties for cancelling? Uh, in that agreement, yep. there are no hardcore penalties for cancelling. Okay, well I guess the government is probably taking the position that since there are no hardcore penalties, they won't get penalized. We, well, we're trying to say, we're trying to get can't... an answer from them. Uh, so far, not yet. We haven't got it. Yeah, as I say, you have to look to a lot more than just 
that one agreement. Of course, the law is big and broad and accompanies, encompasses many things, including NAFTA, including commercial litigation, including other arrangements between parties. Okay, uh, let's hear from Keith in Stouffville. Hi, Keith. Oh, hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Uh, I just wondered, when is the next federal election? 2019. 2019. Well, why doesn't Mr. Trudeau, in his wisdom, why doesn't he wait and make that election issue? Why does he have to bring that in uh, in now? You know, bring that, what in? He's not making this an issue. No, he's no, he's going to uh, going to bring in a carbon tax, and 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 they, if we cancel ours, he's going to bring his carbon tax in. Well, that was uh, <laughs> that was an issue, I guess, in the last election because yeah. they already brought that in. Well, and what about like uh, yeah, what about are you going to do about uh, one of Trudeau's favorite places, which is China? What are they going to do about their pollution? What is India going to do? What is Pakistan going to do? What is the rest of the world going to do? You well, know? I can speak I mean, to that, Libby. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Keith, yeah, I'm going Keith. to uh, Keith. I'm going to let you go. So please listen to the answer okay, on your I will. radio. Okay, okay, I will. Thanks. It's a really good question, Keith. China, in fact, has effectively a cap and trade system. They brought in, first of all, province by province, a few pilots, seven of them, and they're moving to a national system of cap and trade. And China's been pretty clear that they're going to look at trade sanctions for products that are not subject to a cap and trade or a carbon pricing regime. So the last thing we want is for Ontario goods and services that get get exported to China to be subject to border tariffs and taxes going into China. We want to make our exports as attractive as possible. Similarly, all of the countries that you mentioned are signatories to the Paris Agreement, where they agree to look at market approaches to facilitate exactly what we had in Ontario. So it's unfortunate that we seem to be out of step with our global competitors and our global markets that we export our products to. Uh, Keith, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, I just would have made that point that Lisa just made, that, yeah, China does have cap-and-trade, and every country around the world signed the Paris Agreement and has agreed to, to help uh, to work to reduce emissions, so, you know, except for, except for the United States. So, you know, Ontario now is an outlier that's moving against the global consensus on this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, just uh, we're starting to run out of time on this segment. Uh, how long do you think before all of this becomes clearer in terms of what will happen if we do cancel the cap and trade agreement, Keith? Well, uh, I, I guess the premier is going to have a cabinet meeting at the end of this month, right? And uh, they're going to start to move forward on this. Uh, I think it's going to take it. We don't know who the environment minister is yet. I think that's going to be an important thing. We don't know who's going to be in the cabinet and, and what positions they're going to take. Um, but, you know, he can announce that he's withdrawing from cap and trade, but there's actually a law in place in Ontario. Uh, it's called the Climate Change Mitigation and Low Carbon Economy Act, if, if that really matters. But there's a law that, that created cap and trade, and there's regulations under cap and trade, et cetera. And that law actually needs to be changed. They need to go through the legal processes that you have to do. Uh, in order to 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 pass or or change laws in Ontario, and well, that's right, take but they've time. they've they've said that's job one. They're going back on uh, on the 29th for a summer session. So. Yeah, but they but they so they can introduce. Uh, I mean, Lisa, yeah. Lisa knows this better than me. But they can introduce an act 
but they can't pass it in two days. Okay, no, but but they can do it, you know, pretty quickly. They've got a majority, and they're calling the the legislature back. But yeah, still, no, it has to go through first yeah. reading, second yes, reading yeah. committee, etc. It takes months and months. So let's look very very closely at what else is going to happen in that transition period. It's not enough just to say we're not going to participate in the auction and we're pulling out of uh, the WCI generally. What are you going to do for all the people who have permits in their pocket that now have no value? And how are you going to help business navigate that transition? How are you going to help Ontario companies compete in a global marketplace with entities that have cap-and-trade systems? These are important things that the government's going to have to determine in the very short term. And it would do uh, the business sector wonders if they came out with some early developments to help provide less uncertainty uh, now that they've created some very significant uncertainty. Okay, well, uh, it is a fascinating uh, conversation, and, and let's hope that this does not result in too many unintended consequences. And thanks for shedding light on it to both of you. Appreciate it very much, Lisa DeMarco Allen and Keith Brooks. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.